Soccer90.com is a favorite of all of ours, and it is your source for all things U.S. national team, MLS, FC Dallas, and international club gear. And I'm assuming here relatively soon, Ricardo Pepe Offberg's jerseys, but uh, you'll have to check in with them about that. Everything, again, from jerseys, scarves, tees, and more, and you third-degree listeners get 25% off all the gear you order on the website using the code thirddegree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. Number, please, Buzz. Oh, 143? Uh, 143 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. And for this uh, rather interesting episode, we've got the crew together. Happy New Year, Dan Crook. Hey, I'm back. You are, and you sound healthy and well and a little bit rejuvenated. Uh, yeah, all of those things, yeah, absolutely. And how did you miss 143? It's right there in the kind of turquoisey crayon. It's even <laughs> oh, been outlined in purple. I didn't see that. I, Buzz, <laughs> speaking of which, hey, it's the editor yeah. and founder of thirddegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Did you get crayons for Christmas, Buzz? And glitter no, pens? I, I got a uh, train set, the El Pepe train set. <laughs> oh, boy, did I you. I hope it came with German yeah. instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Dan's question that I think you missed. Did you also get glitter pens? Yeah, glitter pens. <laughs> it's funny you you'd laugh about that, but I wasn't went and visited my in laws, and my my mother in law is fairly crafty, and she made stockings. And one of the night's events was to decorate your own stocking with glitter pens and everything crafty that you can imagine. So yes, I did actually get a bunch of glitter. Christmas, so, so. <laughs> you know, be stuff, dude. I know yeah. we, ha- I know we have a lot to talk about because this has been a stunningly huge week uh, for FC Dallas specific news. But before we get to that, since this is the first time we've talked since Christmas, or at least I think it is, um, Dan, did you get anything soccer oriented for Christmas? Uh, no, it was a bit of a quiet one. Uh... You are preparing for a wedding, so the budgets are locked down, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and the missus' birthday was uh, January 2nd as well, so it was kind of like, we were just kind of treating it as, uh, don't worry about Christmas unless let's just have the birthday. Okay, sad, but understandable. So, Buzz, I'm going to turn to you. Did you get any soccer goodies for Christmas? Uh, no, because I asked my large collective family to just buy me two monitors for my new computer, <laughs> <laughs> which I got both of. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, I have to report that this may be the first Christmas in as long as I can remember where I did not get a single soccer oriented item as a gift. Well, everyone's afraid to buy you Manchester United gear because of the dumpster fire that they are currently. <sighs> Sorry, dude. I was going to throw in a Saudi Arabia joke there, but I just yeah. don't even want to go there at this point. <laughs> but hey, at least good. FC Dallas. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue, my friend Dan. Uh, it is the off season. We're right around the beginning of the year. Uh, I, I There are so many things that have happened this week uh, that are substantial. They are uh, landmark in their significance. Um, and importance uh, is almost immeasurable. 
But I have to admit that the news of Ricardo Pepe's sale for a record amount uh, pretty much proved me wrong on all fronts because I was convinced he was going to sell for something closer to 10, and I thought it would drag out until the very, very end. The only thing I got right was that he would be sold in January, and, man, it they barely made it into January before that happened. But Ricardo Pepe is already, by the time this happened, he we got around to recording the podcast. Not only is the sale happened, he's actually already training with his new team in Germany, and it is a huge, huge deal, right, Buzz? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is super, super fast. This came together. Cause you remember Peter last podcast, I, I told you that I finally had checked in with some peppy kind of sources and what I have was nothing was close. And that's when these reports were floating around of 13 and 12 and, and those kinds of things. And then the weekend went by and Monday or Tuesday, all of a sudden it was like, bam, four or five days later, here comes this initially reported $20 million, but eventually settled on it. It appears $18 million plus add-ons, plus a 10% sell-on. This is a paradigm different level of deal. It'll change the way people look at your club around the world. For those of us in Dallas, it doesn't really change anything other than to say, holy cow, what an opportunity for this kid. Uh, you know, I think that it went so high because I really do believe the hunts were pushing back and, and all the MLS people like Boggart and Doyle have talked about this. The hunts were pushing back and they really did want to keep Pepe. And they were, I, I, I'm assuming they told everybody, you really got to come with the offer or we're keeping them because somebody sure as heck came with the offer, assuming there were some jumps between 13 and 18. Uh, but in a very, very short window of about two business days, that changed dramatically. And that's all because one particular owner apparently decided he wanted Pepe. And that's always what it was going to be, right, Peter? It was like, he's worth what someone will pay. And they found somebody to pay. Yeah, I, I, the big lesson of the of the entire event is uh, anything, whether it be a piece of property or the services of person or just services in general, they're only worth what somebody is willing to pay for them. But I do think the big, really a most amazing part of this is that in the hours leading up to his the announcement of him going for $20 million was the sale of Daryl DK uh, to West Brom, for ten million, and wasn't it ten million? Am I right about that number? Nine point five. Nine point five, something like yeah. that. And and I thought, see, I thought that was a interesting piece of information, Dan, because I thought if you wanted to compare guys, I mean, DK's a guy that's already scored some goals in England. Um, he ended the season way better than Pepe did. I mean, he scored eight goals in 10 games to end his Orlando season. You could make arguments either way. I just didn't know which way it would impact Pepe's sale, either negative or positively. But to go two times Daryl DK, did you have any idea, Dan, that that was even possible? No, I mean, I think uh, Mercer's kind of figured as an 18-year-old, uh, kind of at the cusp of his his moment, he was uh, going to go for more than DK at 21, you know, kind of six months removed from, from his own spell. But double the value is, is absurd. Maybe like, you know, three, four million, but certainly not not double. That, that's, that's just crazy. All right. Buzz, double DK is a bit ridiculous, right? That sounds hilarious also. Yeah, cold open. Um, one, <laughs> of the, one of the differences, I think, Peter, is, um, you know, 
we've been talking about and people have been talking about Pepe since he was 15, 16 years old and he was already in U17 national teams and being scouted by foreign clubs even then and then goes through the North Texas thing and, and gets a whole bunch of attention. Meanwhile, still getting called up to play in the Youth World Cup, you know, for the United States and, and then breaks into the senior team and does all these things at 18, whereas DK, relatively speaking, comes through the more unheralded route of college and uh, comes out and gets drafted and, and then starts to make some hay, you know, in those ways. And I don't think you can undersell the fact that there's a three and a half year difference in age between these two guys and the level of profile as they were coming up. You know, it makes a difference when a kid's been recognized for a long time. And Pepe, you remember, also has the Mexico pool, too, which also create, raises his level of awareness. The Mexican national team is interested in him. So there is a variance there, you know, almost four years in age for when Europeans considered to be like the peak, most important area of your development, that 18, 19, 20, 21. I mean, that's, you know, that that's the difference in, in terms of the value here. And I, I think, I mean, I'm not a European club, right? But I'm only can tell you why I think they're different, but that, I think that's the reason they're different. All right. But I, I'm going to use this. One of my favorite tweets about this entire scenario came from the great Steve Fenn, who, by the way, also churned out an amazing new tableau this week about MLS salaries in the Toronto deal that just is visually a mind blower. But that's a different thing for uh, uh, another part of the podcast. But in the hours after the announcement, he tweeted something that I thought was the most uh, was the smartest, which he said, quote, his front his front office, meaning the the FC Dallas front office, just did the most logical thing on sport. They just sold a striker who is coming off an enormous overperformance season to a dumber club that massively overpaid for him. And as much as we love Ricardo Pepe and we all believe that he has a tremendous amount of upside, $20 million for that kid is a bit ridiculous. And, and, a, and I think you can make the argument that they did, in fact, overspend for him. That's probably true. But, um, you know, I, I, I say this without looking at the metrics, you know, or looking at the XGs or looking at the goals per shot ratio. You know, Pepe has a phenomenal uh, you know, goal to shot ratio. Um, and I feel like DK is not quite the same. So it is true though. I think Finn is correct that, uh, again, Pepe hype train at work, right? There is a story around Pepe that's enticing and makes people notice him. And I think that comes into it. You know, it comes back to this idea of he's worth what someone pays for him and they've truly believed he's worth this money. Um, and they and they wanted to use him as the focal point of the team. And the amount of social media work his new team's doing with him, uh, <laughs> to my own personal enjoyment, yes, uh, with the amount of trains involved, is exciting. Uh, you know, is I think goes to show you that like this American owner who is in, investing this money, you know, is all in on making this guy a big deal. You know, and, and so I, I think part of that story and vibe and culture and appeal is what is the value here probably my big concern is i don't know how i don't know anything about how augsburg plays we've talked a hundred times on this podcast about peppy with regard to the national team or fc dallas that he is not like um a geo reina or a Polisic and that he can dribble through five guys peppy needs service you have to be able to get the ball to him 
you know, in dangerous positions. And so I have no idea if Augsburg has people that can do that. Because if they don't, Pepe's going to be standing there in the box. Well, he doesn't stand in the box, but you know what I mean. He mm-hmm. moves really well, but he's going to be looking for the ball because you've seen U.S. national team games where he doesn't get the ball and nothing goes in. You know, it's not like those other dudes that are going to dribble guys and score on their own. He's not like that. He's more of a pure nine in the traditional sense where you're going to have to play the ball to him. Um, so I, that is my worry about Augsburg and specifically not knowing squat about how they play. If they, cause some people have said they're not good at creating chances and that worries me. Well, <laughs> they're, that's why they're in a regulation, a rec, regu, uh, relegation, uh, a battle probably. All right. So Dan, I, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was the fact that this really turned out to be a story with the happiest ending possible, which was the club got an insane amount of money for a product. They've spent a lot of time and effort into growing and a lot of time and effort into promoting, uh, to maybe position themselves for this kind of deal. But the other element to this thing that all of us talked about endlessly that we were worried about was the, was the idea of making sure that Ricardo ended up in a place that actually would benefit his career. Cause we've seen so many people make this travel overseas and then just evaporate or turn into the Brian Reynolds situation or the Breck Shea situation, or even the Reggie Cannon situation. Did Ricardo end up, potentially in the best place possible for his career, not money-wise, not fame-wise, but to actually grow as a player. Seems a pretty solid spot. He gets to be the man, and that's kind of... That's been the the strength every time he's been put under pressure. He's maybe not succeeded at the very first second, but he's found his way, and it's... You know, when when Buzzers talked about like uh, Matthew Corcoran, for example, you want to see that reaction when there's a, the adversity. You get to see it now. Uh, unlike, you know, you see Tanner Tanner Tessman kind of buried behind guys like Ethan and Pandu, who's played in the Premier League, and Brian Reynolds uh, buried by a guy who's on the cusp of the Dutch national team. It's you know, Augsburg, he gets to be the the guy. It's kind of it's an ideal move for him in a, in a good environment. If he does well there, uh, you know, Man United might come ringing with fifty million, thinking, "Oh, half a good season." Anthony Martial all over again. And and is there an element to the idea that if he doesn't necessarily play well and can't be the guy that saves them from relegation, and he ends up in Bundesliga two next year, that maybe that's not such a bad thing after all and it they probably won't hang it on him either no absolutely i mean if it, if it was uh Serie b or or, or league two uh two in france you kind of like okay well this is kind of a bit of a crappier level now but uh this the bundesliga too so it's actually a pretty solid level we've seen we've seen players from the german fourth division uh the uh the, the Euro snobs and the US national team fanboys clamor over. So if if he gets a chance to succeed even in the German second division, he's he's you know, he's laughing really. One of the things that I do want to spend a little bit talking about is the fact that there are people that are critical about all of this, and I do think it's it, it's fair to them to address some of these things or at least discuss it. And one of the issues that I think we we talked about and we actually forewarned about in previous podcasts was the fact that Dan Hunt and the front office had pushed all their chips in 
uh, on Ricardo being here in 2022, and he was in front. He was he was front and cover of all the promotional items. They had even gone out and bought billboards in the off season, something they have never done in the history of this club that I can think of to promote season ticket sales with Ricardo's Pepe's face on it. And it wasn't that long ago, and we've all heard the audio that we weren't supposed to hear of the meeting um, that he had with the supporters groups uh, of him telling them, essentially, he doesn't say it directly, but man, you you can't blame anybody for walking out of that meeting thinking that they were essentially promising them that Ricardo was going to be here in 2022. But when you get offered twenty million dollars for that guy, you gotta sell him, and nobody could hold a grudge about that, right? I was gonna say I've definitely seen people complaining about it, saying, "Oh, this team always letting the players go." And it's like, dude, MLS record for a for a home crown for a domestic player, whatever you want to call it. You can't say no. If you can, you're playing with monopoly money. Yeah, there's definitely a small group of people that are mad about it. And, and we did warn that like as all in as they were on the marketing. And again, that points to them, I think actually wanting to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is an offer you cannot be mad about them taking, you know, you, you can be mad at them selling Richards for a million or selling Mauro Diaz mid championship run, I guess maybe, but I don't think you can be mad about 20 million in the off season. It's going to make rebuilding next year harder, but at the same time you would have lost Pepe in the summer or the next winter. Eventually, you're going to have to get over the kid being gone. He was never going to be here longer than a couple of years because he's just way too good. That's always going to be the case with FC Dallas. The, the very, very best youth players that come through are going to be gone. You're never going to get to keep them. You get to keep Evan Cerillo, and that's fine. He's going to be a great MLS player for 15 years or maybe not that long, 10 years. So that's where you have to look for your guys to get excited about and then be excited the club got a crazy money for a kid who – I mean, it's got to be at least five to seven million over what anybody expected, about five million over what I expected, certainly. So, um, yeah, it's a great bit of business, honestly. Like we, we harp on the team and the organization for messing up the trade for Kellen for, um, that's, that's not pretend there was European offer, there wasn't, um, you know, for for waiting too long on horror and stuff like that, but they they totally won this. They got oh yeah an earth shattering amount. They did what, what all you can really ask them to do. They tried to keep on to a guy, and someone said, "Hey, here's a stupid amount of money." You you can't do. I mean, I don't think anybody can do anything but just tip your cap to Dan and Zanata and whoever else was involved in this because it completely went exactly the way they wanted it to go because so many things actually works out in their favor. Now they're not in a situation where they've got to potentially have to sell a guy in the middle of a season again. They get to start a season with a brand new coach with a clean slate. Ricardo gets to leave when he wants to. He's making the money. He, I mean, all of it just works perfectly and you know, to be fair, they get full credit for pulling it off. It's amazing. Do you remember? You remember that when we were talking about this theoretical argument that they probably make about keeping Pepe for a year, and the idea was that you keep him and he bangs in twenty goals, and at the end of the season you can sell him for twenty million. Well, hell, they got the twenty million now. Right. You, you go ahead and take it. You can eliminate the risk. I mean, that was the dream number. Like, if you if he does it again, the dream number is going to be twenty, and then here it is. It's not quite 20, but what was just there's a sell on percentage, whatever it's 20. It's amazing. 
it's, it's just unbelievable the number that, that they got. It blows me away. I can't believe they got as much as they did. Uh, Finn is probably right. There's a little bit of a way over hype here reach. But, you know, you see the national team stuff and it's just like, I don't know how you can't be a believer in the kid. And if you're rich as hell, why not do what you want to do and get the guy you want to get? So. Well, as I, uh, I, my favorite part though, Buzz, seriously, out of all of this stuff, uh, my favorite part of this is when Osberg posted their uh, announcement. In the announcement of him going to the Bundesliga, included them referring to him as El Tren. In there, and I just the fact that that has gone all of the way that it appears in his announcement video from his new club in the Bundesliga. That is the best part in this buzz. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, that's going to be my someday I'm going to retire from uh, working life. And that'll be like the lead thing on my bio. It'll be, <laughs> came up with the ultra nickname. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be it. That'll be my one accomplishment over 40 years of covering FC Dallas or whatever it turns out being. And whatever yeah. the German version of Eddie is over at that club has gone yeah. full tilt boogie on the train oh. thing on their social media. It is it's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> and and the funny, what's really cool is the club seems genuinely, genuinely excited to have them in their ranks. The way that they have treated him on social media, the videos they've posted, the way that they talk about him. Man, it's just, it, it makes me feel good because I'm really glad to see that people aren't like, well, are we sure we did the right thing? I don't see, I haven't yet. Maybe it's out there. I'm sure it is. I haven't seen like a backlash from Osberg fans going, we did what? We spent how much on who? Yeah. I mean, he is their record signing by a long way. So, uh, you know, for them, it's like they're trying to make as big a deal as possible out of him. I get it. Uh, but yeah, it's been an absolute ball, all the train stuff. Yeah. It definitely seems like the reaction is somewhere in between, oh, wow, we spent that much money. That's really cool. And wait, who's this guy? <laughs> well, I, you can't blame them. I'm, I can't imagine too many people over in Germany have been paying attention to to FC Dallas or the U.S. men's national team, uh, for that matter, considering he literally has only been part of the national team for less than, for what, six months? Yeah, and they even hyped up the Grezzo fan reunion, <laughs> which oh, I thought was fun. Right. That was yeah. cool. And that's a, good, that's a good lifeline for him to have there. Yeah, I'd, you know, I, I wonder how much those two interacted with each other because was – was Ricardo officially on the roster when Grezo was on the roster no, last? I, think, I mean, I think Grezo's last season was 2018. I think it was, and, yeah. And Pepe signed 19 when Lucci took over, basically, right? Well, so, Gre- Grezo played on the Lucci. Oh, did he? So was it 2019 when Grezo left? I couldn't remember exactly. Yeah. I mean, they had some, so, you know. And they, they had the time when, that Pepe was training up as well. Yeah, that's true too. He did train up quite a bit, uh, you know, when he was first signed with North Texas, and 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 even when he was in the academy, you know, trained up. So Grezzo would have for sure known him. Um, whether they're chummy or not, I have no idea. Well, it's a cool but, side know. story to the whole thing. All right, now what we really need to spend a couple of minutes talking about is is the immediate thing that all comes to our mind, and it's the immediate and completely fair criticism or concern everybody has as soon as they hear that FC Dallas just made $20 million off of selling a guy, which is, oh yeah, they're, how much of this are they going to put back into the roster? And, and, and again, uh, history can be your guide. It's a total fair game. I did think it was interesting that Dan Hunt made an appearance on Jason Davis's uh, Sirius XM show. I always forget what it's called. Soccer in America. What's it called? United States of Soccer. United States of Soccer. 
and uh, I was able to listen to the interview and, you know, it, Dan being Dan. And here's the thing is, is I don't know how much of this to hold on to. There's a reason why I want to do this in this order, because some other things happened this week that really changed my feelings about how I thought about this interview after hearing it. Because when you listen to this interview, um, I left with, okay, I swear I've heard Dan make promises like this before across a whole spectrum of things that didn't deliver on, and and that's why I'm pessimistic. Uh, did you guys come away with the same sense after listening to it? Uh, I, uh, it's, it's the same sort of verbiage that he always uses. Um, every time I get something like this happens, I'm hopeful that it's going to be different. And so, you know, you listen to it and you go, man, I hope he's really serious this time. So it's kind of that's kind of where I was listening to it. Dan, have you listened to the interview yet? No, for the reason that it seemed like it was the same thing you said 50 <laughs> times before. All right. Well, I've pulled two particular uh, uh, very short clips out of the interview, and I want to give full credit to Jason Davis and Sirius XM, and I hope they don't mind us using this, but this was on their deal. Uh, these are very short clips, but he was Jason was asking Dan very specifically questions about the mechanisms in which, uh, well, the, this first piece was the, his Dan's basic uh, feelings about what the sale of Pepe for $20 million means. And he gave kind of a long answer, but there was this one thing at the very end of his answer to that question that I thought was interesting. Has raised the value of MLS soccer players in the hundreds of millions of dollars um, because it sort of set this global benchmark and you have the Alfonso Davies deal out there too and other players coming and going. So this is big. And what it does is it allows MLS teams to have the resources to reinvest in their rosters. All right. I think that last part of that sentence is the most critical part because I think we can all listen to that and go, okay, Dan, you've, you've set the bar. You've said this is money for reinvesting in your rosters. And, and I, and I don't, I mean, I know we like to talk about Dan being kind of a dummy, but I don't think he's so stupid that he doesn't realize what he's doing when he says that. Yeah, I would hope that in the wake of this kind of money that he would realize that when you say that, that people are not going to expect you to reinvest in your roster. You know, the, it, MLS does complicate things, you know, and, and we've talked many, many times about how sometimes for the hunts, reinvesting in the team means underwriting, you know, performance in the stands and underwriting other expenses of the franchise, you know, and don't, you can't expect it to all be spelled, spent on players only. But he sure is making all the noises like it's going to be different. And this is what I mean by like, every time he does this, I'm optimistic. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> uh, I'm going back and thinking of the quote about that they have uh, significant attacking reinforcements incoming. And we got Edwin Giassi. I'm thinking about the safe standing promises and we got bike racks. Um, Dan, would you like to throw in a promise that was made that turned out not to be quite what was promised? Uh, you, it's kind of like improv, right? Just name a topic, and there's probably one regarding that. Well, as a follow-up to that answer, Jason Davies, uh, Davis was uh, talking and asking questions about how this was going to get spent inside FC Dallas, 
And Jason actually was, I, I was confused by the question because it sounded like he was asking the same question twice, but he also wrote an article for AmericanSoccerPlayer.com that explained what, I, I now understand what he was trying to get at, which are the mechanisms and the rules and limitations that MLS sets on how these transfer funds can be spent. But listen to this part of Dan Hunt's answer and tell me if uh, you're worried about holding him to this. We've got targeted right now. Um, there may be some substantial transfer fees going out. Um, so we may even exceed uh, some of the upfront money at plus signing players. So we're just working through those things. Okay. Did you guys all pick up on what he just said? Yeah, substantial transfer fees going out that exceed the money that they're getting up front coming in. So, you know, he, he has talked about how uh, these deals are paid out long-term. Like he said, specifically at the Augsburg one, I think he mentioned three years that it's going to, money's going to come in. So what he's saying is that they, on the table, they have some outgoing transfer fees that they're about to pay that exceeds the upfront money, which might be half of what they just got for Pepe perhaps. So if that's true, that's a staggering change for FC Dallas. Because if it's three year, if if you take the, let's just use twenty as a as a round number, right? If it's twenty million divided by three, uh, you, you know what is that number? I can't do math in my head. <laughs> it's about six point five. All right, six point five. Thank you. I can't. I'm yeah. All right. Everybody laugh at me. I can't do math in my head. So six point five. That is that money they're going to spend in transfer fees. Is I mean, are they literally going to spend more than six and a half million dollars on player acquisition? in this, you know, before the season starts. Well, their track record says no, but that is literally what he just said in that soundbite. So, I mean, we're going to find out, aren't we, I guess. It's kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's that gray area of the upfront money. We can say uh, transfer free being played out over three years is, is X amount per year, but, you know, if they're paying it on a, quarterly basis on a six monthly basis then that upfront money is reduces further and further and suddenly oh we've only got a million to spend up front yeah and don't forget too peter that he did also say that there are multiple teams that haven't paid them yet and as we can tell that's boa vista has not paid all their money and gremio has not paid all their money so you know sometimes he can maybe be lumping all these things in together in the sense that like We've got a couple of years worth of money that we haven't gotten in. Okay, but now now you're talking about $10 million? Are they going to spend $10 million in January? I mean, it would be so unlike them to spend this money this way yeah. on players, right? Like, I I know they want to, you know, put a new beer machine in or something at the stadium or, uh, you know, buy some snazzy new kits for the academy, but... This is why I wish he would not say these things if they're not actually going to do them. I know. You know, it's because if, if he doesn't now do this after he literally went on a national radio show and said, we're going to, we have more outgoing transfer fees than we're going to get an, on the initial peppy payment that, you know, that people are now going to expect big money to be spent right here. And that's not, I don't, again, we got to see what they do. We don't know, but the history says that that's not going to be true. All right. But they do. They, they, in the past, they've done one guy. They've done three-ish for Acosta, right? And then a year later, they did nothing for Hara. anybody. And then Martinez, I think, was a little bit, perhaps. And then and Hara was nothing. So Coleman like, was what, two? Two, but that was even before Brian Acosta. Yeah. You know? 
you know, you can go back to remember when Fabian Castillo was like 800 K or something that that was like out of this world for Dallas or something at the time. Right. You know, so they have trickled up, but to match what he said about the outgoing be more than they're getting on the upfront for Pepe. That's, that's again, paradigm shift. That's a big, big change. If he's real about that. Right. And for anybody who's just passively listening to this in the background and missed it, here it is again. Listen carefully to what Mr. Dan Hunt says on Sirius XM radio just a few days ago. We've got targeted right now. Um, there may be some substantial transfer fees going out. Um, so we may even exceed uh, some of the upfront money at plus signing players. So we're just working through those things. Okay. We all. The, some of. Huh? Some of the upfront money. <laughs> and if you haven't noticed, we've gotten a new toy here on the podcast. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, the reason why I'm really harping on all this is because in the aftermath of hearing this interview, we all poked and looked at each other and rolled our eyes and said, There goes Dan Hunt again, making promises he's never going to live up on. And then breaking headline news watershed moment number two happened just a few days later, which is the even, I, I don't, I mean, literally, which one of these things is more surprising than the other? The sale of Pepe for $20 million or the fact that they are paying Jesus Ferreira $2 million a year and now is a DP for this team. I, the second one. It yeah. has to be the second one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's $10 million. $2 million a year through 2026. That's, that's $10 million bucks. That's like That's half the Pepe money going to Jesus. That's crazy. Uh, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't deserve that money because if you put his numbers up against other DPs in the league, it's there. You know, what I'm saying is that the, for them to turn around and immediately spend half of Pepe's money on Jesus is remarkable. That's, a again, paradigm change. This is different than ever before here. It should be noted that this marks the very first time in Major League Soccer history that a MLS club has given a DP deal to a natural homegrown player from its own academy. This is, an, and not just a DP deal, like bonkers money deal. Um, and I, man, I every time I think about that, I can't, because that really is the culmination of everything that FC Dallas and Oscar Perea and Lucci and um, uh, Marco and everybody involved has been shooting for all along was this exact scenario, correct? Yeah. Other than Frank O'Hara, this doubles the club's previous highest contract, which was Mario Diaz was just under a million. So it's, it's a different, it's a change. It's different. And you include the Frank O'Hara contract. That's also a different paradigm those two contracts so it's like in the last couple of years there's definitely a shift happening in this organization the money shift is happening now it's not it's not 15 million or 20 million that toronto just gave some dude but from the hunt perspective this is very very different what's going on now and i think we have to as fans these two that the hard deal and now this deal this jesus deal and the amount of money they sold pepe for we honestly need to start changing our thinking about what this club will and won't do money-wise. It's completely different now because of these last two or three things. All right, pull your pants up, Buzz. Hold on. I don't think we're ready just to hop on. I don't think we're ready to hop on a different hype train quite yet, but 
I, I, I do, I do have to admit, as being the famous pessimistic guy about all things Hunt, I have to admit that I find the Jesus news in particular delightfully promising, and and it really changes how I view the Dan Hunt interview because he says all those things, and then they announce this, which is something I would have never imagined they would have done. And so now I'm actually open to the idea that they may spend a significant percentage of that money to improve this roster in ways that we didn't think they'd do before. One of the craziest things about the Jesus deal for me is that there's a savviness to it because you made him a DP. And by the way, based on every rule I can find, he's a young DP, which is different. And the, the number one difference is it's based on how old he is and his cap hit is only $200,000, not the full DP $600,000. So because you put him, because he was getting paid 550 and it would have bumped up to like six, 650 something. So he would have been right there at the DP mark, costing you that whole 600, 650, whatever it was gonna be next year on your cap. Now it drops down to 200,000. So not only did you just make $450,000 more for your cap, if they sign another DP player, then Jesus would be, if you would like to count this way, then he's a third DP and is a young DP. And then you don't have to pay the money to get the extra DP from the league. So there's another $150,000 you just made in GAM. So it's like, it's not just that they're paying a young guy a bunch of money from their organization, is they've now done it in a way that adds a really high level player or the room for a really high level player in your salary cap going forward and that's super savvy move on their part to do it this way so several weeks ago on the podcast when it, we, we were talking about the peppy situation i had raised the question of if you really want peppy to stay why don't you just offer him an ass load of money where it's just too much money to go and it turns out that they made that offer to jesus dan and i i guess the question is is Jesus, did they overpay? Let me ask it this way. Did they overpay for Jesus? When you look at his numbers, no. Um, I think there's his goals and assists last season, there were like six players that were ahead of him uh, from the uh, DPs. And you're talking about like the Higuains, the Chicharitos, the Haney Mukhtars, guys that are really, uh, you know, worth the money. Uh, you know, you've got the security if someone does come knocking, and we know there were offers uh, over the winter. Well, two million a year now, five year deal. That that fee is kind of protected. It's not just uh, well, you're only paying him a few dollars, so we're, you know we're going to lowball you. And now we're talking. Not quite peppy money, but 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 certainly closer to to DK money if uh, if his if his performances continue, both with the national team and the club. I guess I, I got a question: Who's making more in salary right now, Jesus or Pepe? Oh wow, that's a good question. Uh, probably. Hmm. I'm gonna. I'm guessing it's Jesus. Do you think Pepe's making two million bucks a year at Osberg? You know, you, you, when you pay twenty million for a guy, you kind of have to pay him, you know, compensation that fits that paradigm. You know, it would be like—I can't even think of a good example. It, it would be like if FC Dallas paid a whole bunch of money to get a player from another team, 
and then, you know, only paid him fifty thousand dollars. It's like it just doesn't. <laughs> Wait, you're coming to blow that up? Toronto yeah. just got Insigne on a free, and they're paying him twelve million dollars a year. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the opposite, right? It's like I, I can't think of a I can't think of a way to say a good. I know analogy, what you mean. Think, yeah. think, of, think of any company you worked for, and you went out and had in. You don't buy guys from other companies, but imagine if you did, or you go out and headhunt a guy from another company. He's not going to come in and be the lowest paid guy, right? When you bring in the star, that was clear that what you're doing when you buy a player, he's going to be one of the highest paid players on your team. Right. So I, I, I would bet you that Pepe's getting paid a pretty good amount of money now, certainly because they had to convince him to take this, this buy too. Any sale is a two party thing. You have to convince both the team he's from and the player himself has to be convinced too. So there had to have been enough money that's for him to say, Augsburg's the place. Yeah. I'm in. You yeah. Know? It's it, okay. It, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. So I was going to translate it into the way I know, which is, uh, weekly wage uh in pounds <laughs> and it worked two million so uh two million dollars works out to twenty eight thousand pounds a week which is high level championship like you know lower level like relegation team premier league money so yeah you mean like newcastle like, yeah well, <laughs> old newcastle, newcastle maybe but yeah that's that's on par at least for <laughs> You know, and you think payback bus. Bundesliga pays a little bit less. So, yeah, you, you're probably looking at Jesus having a slightly higher salary. Yeah. So that's old Newcastle, Peter, not new Newcastle. OK, fair enough. Yeah. That's yeah. that's uh, <laughs> oil state, oil state yeah. money, Newcastle. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, oily castle. Uh, um, OK, so setting that part aside, I. The thing about the Jesus deal is I can't figure out. So what was Jesus? Jesus just signed a new contract. How long ago, Buzz? Oh, uh, 2019. I think it was. Oh, it wasn't was, that long ago, was it? It was. No, yeah. It was, it was about 2019, I think. Yeah. And he's was making. He was having a really good season. And he was making 550 a month, 550 he, a year. What was he, he on? He was on 550 this year. So it probably was going to jump to six or 650. They tend to have these incremental jumps in them. You know, and he didn't have option years, if you remember. I think he was only through 2024. So, you know, it probably was popping up just under the DP number each time, maybe. You know, uh, those are pure guessworks about the, what the jump would be. But, um, you know, it was for sure 550 and it was for sure going up. So, you know, what it would have been specifically, whatever, that's where it was. Okay, but hold on a second, because this is where I'm going with this, um, is if you think about... Um, this issue with uh, with Jesus, and he's making five six hundred thousand dollars. How do you jump to two million dollars a year? What happened? I just feel like there's part of this story we're missing, which was we kind of heard from Jesus's people that maybe he was out shopping himself a little bit to figure out if he could find somewhere to go. Are you with me here? Something there's a piece of this story we're missing, right? Well, there definitely were, um, from my sources, there definitely were teams that were coming in for him and asking about him and asking about getting him this winter. Um, I don't have the names, but I know that there were for sure some. So it's probably a combination of we want to, you know, again, this is the dream with Dan Hunt, right, is the homegrown thing. And they, and in that interview with Davis, he even talked about we want to lock up a couple of these young kids and, and we want to stabilize our roster and build longer term with this roster. And that all comes back into that. If you've identified Jesus as your guy of the Academy guys, which they clearly have, 
and people are starting to sniff around about him and he's back into the national team and he's rebounded and have this great season putting up dp level numbers you kind of got to give the kid the dp deal or he's going to go and again there's a value to how young he is he's only 21 you know and if he was 27 you might not give him all that much because you're like you're already in your peak but he's got so much growing to do you know there is an upside there and again this also sets the bar too with jesus now if someone if he starts killing it with the national team or whatever continues to do well for dallas now if people come in you can say oh he's getting two million a year for us you know this raises his buy number up considerably all right so how much of this was the aforementioned too much money to leave offer i mean Probably a good chunk of it, I would think, yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, do we think that there was, I mean, I know you just talked about this, but I'm going to ask more directly. Can we guess from this that there was they were they were really worried they were about to lose him too and they just said, "All right, we're going to make you we're going to make you an offer you just simply can't refuse." Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I, I'm telling you 100% for sure there were teams that were coming in. I don't know if they ever got to the stage of making concrete offers or not, but there were definitely teams that were coming in for him. Um, some of it probably was, I think, as you say, you know, because it's extended too. Like this moves his deal out further a couple of years. So if you want that, there's a, 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 what's the word, an upcharge for that. Right. You know, there's an upcharge of, Hey, look, I, I'm the only guy producing for you other than the dude you just sold for 20 million. Surely I'm worth more. If that dude's selling for 20, surely I'm worth more than what you're paying me. Cause you he can even point to other guys in the club that are getting paid a lot more than him that are not producing at that level. You know, when you're paying guys that are not even playing 800,000 or 600,000, he's like, why am I on 500? I should be getting paid for, you know, so I'm, I'm sure that's all part of it is that idea that you're now you've now labeled Jesus as the core of your team for the next three or four years. He's the guy now here. All right, Dan, does anybody have justification to be disappointed, upset, angry, frustrated, whatever, that they just gave a home, a, a DP slot to a homegrown player? No, absolutely not. We've been complaining for years that, the home grains are performing. It's the veterans that aren't. So yeah, reward them. All right. Well, that's very succinct, succinct, and and to the point. Um, Buzz, do you have any other feedback about that? Uh, no, I, I agree that um, yeah, we've been the Dallas's track record on signing farm players has been so bad. I, I th- lately the last three or four years, I feel like this is actually a better way to go about your business. It's like, if you have a guy that's consistently producing, invest in that guy. Now you should still try and sign other players, of course, but um, you know, $2 million for Jesus versus $2 million for a dude I never heard of from the Venezuelan league. I'd rather have $2 million in Jesus's pocket, you know, cause at least I know that short of last year when the COVID thing, remember when he was one of the guys that got sick that we talked about, cause he was the first one. So I think that really impacted him. So other than that, he's been gangbusters for three years now. So yeah, pay the kid. It does. It does. It sets an, a new bar, and I don't think I can impress enough, impress upon people enough how significant uh, of a moment this is, not just for the club, but for the league that a club is able to to pull this off. And I and I and I I'll also say this in the same breath that I think Clark Hunt sees the Toronto paying some guy fifteen million dollars a year news that drives him nuts. I do wonder how much. This announcement by Dallas uh, impacts or affects 
other clubs throughout the league? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I think one of the bigger impacts for Dallas actually is something Doyle tweeted after the Jesus deal, which was FC Dallas, will, this will help FC Dallas firm up any people in the academy because it's like, we're either going to sell you for a boatload or we're going to pay you a boatload if you're good enough coming out of our academy. And so that that helps them recruit nationally, which is something they have the last year or two, they've actually slipped a little in that regard, but they need to get back into that because other teams have gotten better probably. But, um, you know, it definitely is, as these other teams continue to spend 10, 15, 20 million, Dallas is being dragged up. And what we've always said about the Hunts is, they got into this thing with the idea that if they wait 40 years, their small investment is going to be in the NFL, right? So that that idea that like the rest of the league is dragging this franchise up and this franchise's numbers are getting bigger, it fits that, you know? They're trying to keep up with the bottom of the league, which is amazing. Well, it, it's interesting because I was doing a bunch of math the other day and on, I had asked uh, our buddy John um, to do some of his uh, kick-ass Gen Z research that he's so good at. Or is he a millennial? I always get that confused. You get my point. He's really good at doing this research, which which was the idea that Dallas has now, since twenty eight, just since 2018, which is the Reggie Cannon deal, have now sold homegrowns internationally for just over 40 million dollars now this does make an assumption that che sells for at least five million dollars which i think is a pretty safe assumption right uh five feels high to me but maybe okay uh well let's just use five i mean if you plus or minus i think that puts the number just either north or south of 40 million dollars you get my point but i'm 99 percent sure that based on the numbers that i've been able to dig up that is that number represents more in homegrown sales and transfer fees than the rest of all the other clubs in Major League Soccer, not just since 2018, in the entire league's history. And that, and that includes the Alfonso Davies deal, by the way. Um, it, and it, at one point, I actually thought it was almost two times that number, but now I've found some other players and stuff that it, it's it, it's the difference between like $41 million for Dallas and I think $32 million for the rest of the history of the league. And that is a stunning, stunning achievement. Yeah, you can you can understand why the Hunts have decided that this is their business model. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, to the first yes. Team itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're losing money hand over fist on this stupid MLS team, but they use it as a tool to actually um, uh, market and sell and help what is actually making them money, which is this piece. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's something I remember talking about. And I'm going to go all the way back to business class in college where they talked about the idea that companies sometimes figure out that their business they're in is not what they actually think they're in when they start to do the economics of it. And sometimes I think that that's exactly what FC Dallas is. You know, the business of that they're really in is selling players, you know, and the way they do that is these, this pathway they have that develops players or they buy players and develop them from the academy all the way through the first team, that's the mechanism by which they create players to sell. And that's the business they're actually in. So it's a weird way to think about it, but I think that's honestly what they're doing now. You know, and they talk about wanting to win. I think they wanna win because it's fun, not because that's what the business is. The business is selling players. Well, I mean, Dan, you can share with us that 
what Dallas is doing is more the norm than not over in Europe. Yeah, totally. Um, clubs live and die off the off the revenue they make from their academies. It's uh, Luton's uh, always been one of those clubs. Southampton, Crew, West Ham, you, you kind of name it. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's not the greatest recipe for success, but it. No, that's not a list of teams that have won a lot of championships in the last several generations. Sure as shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 really it. It's it keeps the uh, keeps the doors open, but doesn't uh, doesn't keep the trophy cabinet full. Yeah, and Buzz, this is something you and I have talked about lot a lot in the last several days, which is everybody needs to understand that the money that they're generating from the sales of these players is in many ways being used not to buy new players because they have to use it to make up the deficits that they that they currently have because they can't sell enough season tickets or get enough people to show up for games or get enough big dollar sponsors. Yeah, and in fact, uh, I can tell you that another way that there that shows that this is true is that for the last three or four years, really, um, even before Zanata came in, but since Zanata came in, Dallas and the, the Hunts have been quietly trying to develop relationships in Europe below this peppy level because they, they see that the academy is producing players or North Texas producing players that are good and are good enough to be professionals, but aren't good enough for MLS or top five leagues in Europe. So they're not guys you want to sell for 20 million but maybe you could sell them for 50 grand or 80 grand and all that stuff little adds up if you're talking about five six seven guys a year so they've been that's why you see them working these deals with like three players from the same club in portugal have come this way you know the the part that's missing is the players going the other way so they've been trying to quietly work these relationships to make some deals like that it hasn't worked yet but it's again it just shows you that they're they're, they have their fingers in these pies and they have this mentality of generating revenue with the academy and with North Texas through a way other than just people in the stands. Well, it is a big deal. Both of these things happening in the course of the week uh, is, again, we've said it at the, at least I've said it uh, more times than I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing it. It's significant. It's, and, I, and I feel like I owe that to the club because I'm constantly criticizing them. I, I want to give credit where credit's due. It is a, a massive achievement. Uh, on on their part to get this stuff done. I'm happy for Jesus. I'm happy for Pepe. I'm happy for the fans who are enjoying watching Pepe. We get to I, we may get to watch Pepe play on Saturday. Uh, that game they're playing. I can't remember who they're playing. Dan, do you remember who they're Hoffenheim because it's the Chris Richards head to head. It's the it's the oh, FC wow. Dallas German Derby. Um, and I think Derek FC Ray. Deutsch Derby. Yeah, and I think uh, and I think Derek Ray is actually calling the game, and it's on ESPN. I think at nine a.m. Saturday morning. Um, so that's a huge deal, and it, it, it's it's such it's such a a, a super. Man, it's it's it is really good. Now, if they can just deliver on the rest of the stuff we all care about. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, uh, we also found out today that Jesus was called up to the national team for the January camp. Pepe was not, and that's the difference in this January camp is that the guys that are playing over in Europe get to stay over in Europe, and definitely Pepe uh, needs to do that. But that's uh, good news for Jesus that he also uh, got the call up. Yeah, interesting thing about that domestic camp is that 
there's some guys missing that you might think would be involved in that. And the reason they're missing is because there's a U20 camp coming in January. Um, and I would expect probably Justin Shea for sure, maybe Antonio Carrera to be in that camp, perhaps the U20 camp. So uh, long shot Colin Smith, but I think that's a big long shot. But um, a couple of names from FC Dallas might make it. All right. Now, the other fair shout of fans of this team, which is all this is all well and good. You got all the money. Now, who are you signing? Where are the signings? And do we have any indication that anything is happening? Have we heard any new names or connections of late buzz? Well, the keeper from uh, Valencia that was originally linked, there's been multiple, multiple reports uh, that that is an 18-month loan deal. And there's even a buy price listed uh, I want to say it's like 500 or 800 K somewhere in that ballpark. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so there's enough people reporting it and enough details are in it. And even people saying that it's done. So short of an announcement, apparently that keeper is coming. He's 23 years old, Spanish keeper. Um, so that's the first one, but it, it comes back to the idea we talked about before too, that um, because the coach hire was late and then we hit the holidays and then technically the MLS window is actually not open. Um, last year it was like mid March before it opened. Now the season is earlier, but I don't know that the window might not open until like mid February or something. I mean, you could actually be, well, they're going to be in camp in a, a week and a half from now. The 16th is when the players report. And so there's a very, very good chance that you're not going to have any signings actually show up and be able to play at that point, let alone be announced because the window is not going to be open. So it's kind of a weird because they moved the season up because of the World Cup, right? So the windows knock in the same place and it's like, it's really weird. They haven't even announced when it is. Okay, so. I'm so glad you said that because I thought I was losing my mind. I, I, for, I, yesterday I was Googling MLS, you know, 2022 winter, winter transfer window and I could not yeah. find a set of dates. No, I, I've been trying to find it for five months. It's, it's not been, I even asked some other people that are national writers like where's the damn signing window and they were like no clue so uh, like i said it's it's a mystery when it is i'm assuming maybe it's going to be in late january early february but that's a guess purely based on when the season starts so that that's why you, a you're not hearing a lot of things from fc dallas and you might not before they actually open camp on the 16th but the window has to allow them to sign players to come and train before the season starts doesn't it i mean Yes, doesn't it? But it, it isn't. Well, I mean, I agree with you. Why would it should they? be now? It should be open. Yeah. But, why? Yeah. Why isn't it? Nobody knows. I, I, I no clue. I mean, nobody I know knows why. I mean, I don't know who sets that. Uh, I mean, is that a FIFA thing? Is it a U.S. soccer thing? No, I, I think I it's know. done by the league. I think leagues determine when their windows are open and shut. Right, uh, Dan? Are, do they? Or FAs? Dan, do you know? Yeah, it'd be the league. Yeah, Dan, so are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry, uh, my voice just went for a second. <clears throat> but you fell asleep. It's not getting right sick there. again. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know when the window is, and it's probably possible the window might not be till like a couple of weeks before the season, which well, is insane. Well, that'd be stupid. It would be, but where's the announcement of it? If it's not, if it's like this week, they would surely have to let people know, right? I mean, well, I was, and they haven't. Well, I was thinking about this because of the Toronto Insigne thing, and then I found out that he's not joining the team until June at the earliest. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that's how they've bypassed all of that. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, such surely, an thing. if camp starts uh, Martin Luther King Day, it has to be, you know, the week before that. Surely, I mean, that's that's in three days. 
four days. That's I mean, I, uh, in oh yeah, the start of the week before. The start, it, yeah, a week before is in four days. So it's like yeah, yeah. Listen, it should be open, and it's not. And Dallas hired a coach a week and a half before Christmas, and then they had the holidays. I mean, obviously, based on what Dan Hunt said, they got five things lined up. Zanata's been here. They ought to have everything lined up. So where is it? I, I don't – who the hell knows? Well, you know, I, It could I, be tomorrow. Well, I, I'm assuming – I have to assume that those people who need to know know when the window opens – and have been making plans associated with that. And two, in the most MLS of ways, we'll get an announcement out of the blue, I don't know, tomorrow, next week, that says, yeah. hey, the window's open. We've <laughs> decided to open the window. Yeah. The weather's <laughs> nice. We're opening the window. The window is open. And yeah. that's how it will happen. panic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so that, that's how that will happen. All right. Any other things pertaining to the team that we need to uh, address here, Buzz? Uh, well, I remember last week we did sort of a check-in with um, you know kids that had been sold or are on loans or whatever. I actually talked to some of Tanner Testman's people, you know, and I, and I mentioned at the time that they that uh, Valencia had signed a, a player that played his same position, and maybe that should be worrying or whatever. But apparently not. Apparently they're very happy because, and this is really important, the front office and the coach there are apparently very good at communication, and have actually laid out to Tanner, this long-term plan. Imagine such a thing, right? Imagine good communication. Yeah. That (laughs) that we really like you. We have a long-term plan for you. Here's how it's going to go over the next several seasons. And that like, he's been doing really well in training and the coach had told him that he was really starting to trust him. And apparently he's been getting into more games at a higher rate. So, you know, Tanner and his people are, and by the way, if you've never talked to Tanner, he is one of the most level-headed and totally gets it kids I've ever met, probably because of the Dabo Sweeney connection and what his dad does for a living related to that. So that kid is totally dialed in on media and professionalism and what it takes to be a pro. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing to me is amazing. It's not just great for Tanner, but like, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with parents in the academy that are like, we have no idea. You know, like, are you going to stay? Are you going to sign? Dude, they never tell us anything. They tell us like once a year what we're doing. And it's like, and I'm sure this is true with the first team too. It's so important to communicate to people that you want to sign or that you already have in a contract, what the long-term plan is to have a plan for them. Because otherwise they just get disillusioned and you see these kids that are like giving up and burning out. I guarantee you that some of the kids that have forced their way out on loan, it's been because of that. It's because of lack of seeing a plan. I'm sure Paxton probably feels that way right now, just to name a name, for example. It's not to speak for him, but I mean, right? If you're Paxton playing left wing, you're like, what the hell is going on? You're, you know, uh, so I'm I'm sure in his body language, I see some discontent. So, you know, That's it would behoove podcast. them to do better job with their team in communicating, I believe. I say that without being in the locker room. They're going to be mad at me for saying all this, but... I don't have people that play for FC Dallas tell me, oh, it's awesome. They've got this whole plan laid out for me. Nobody ever says that. Right. Peter, can you, know. you uh, capture that unsure noise you made as a, <laughs> as a drop for future reference? Because uh, that was magic. Uh, Just that. Yeah. But yeah, we can we can pull that out of the out of the track. Yes, and uh, I'm very look. If there's anything I'm worried about in 2022 with FC Dallas, it is one thing and one thing only, and that's my little dude Paxton. That's all I'm. I, I don't care like how the team finishes playoffs no playoffs all i care about is the progression in the career of paxton pomacall and 
I'm <laughs> and I'm on full alert. So uh, uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, yes, it, it 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 I'm glad to hear you say that about Tanner because I think the last week or the week before I was talking about how I was worried that when Tanner took that deal to go to a club in Serie A that maybe a little bit above him, um, and maybe it is. But when I hear that his club has a plan for him, that makes all of that go away. And 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 you just hear so. I mean. It's, you're correct, Buzz. I'm like you. I constantly hear from parents and people that they're bad at communicating at Dallas to their players, but I also hear that about a lot of other clubs too. Um, and and so to hear that Tanner's in a situation where he feels like he knows what the expectations are and what the plan is, that, that warms my heart and makes me very happy for Tanner that it's worked out that way. And it makes me even a bigger fan of that club who I, I really begin to like more and more every day. Uh, for sure. Hey, I, I want to throw out a couple of other things here. First off, I need to uh, give my hearty congratulations to Tommy Poo, whose uh, nickname more <laughs> now more than ever is fully deserved. And I think you yeah, know why. This guy. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so, so Dan, I'm uh, I'm rolling through my Instagram the other day, and because I follow FC Dallas, and I think I follow Tommy on Instagram, you know how you get recommendations and so forth, and 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 images sent to you that you should see because you like certain things. You know how that whole algorithm works, right? Sure. Okay. All right. So I'm scrolling through and I see this picture and it immediately catches my eye of a person that I think looks like Thomas Roberts in the first glance sitting next to this amazingly attractive young lady who is many, many leagues out of the other person's ballpark. And lo and behold, it is Thomas Roberts and he's sitting there with his girlfriend, Katie. And uh, 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 it is a really well, let me just put it this way. Everybody go on Instagram and and follow Thomas and looked at the pictures that he's linked to or tagged in. And you will enjoy that Thomas is living a very, very good and fine life. And congratulations to him. It's good being a young international uh, pro athlete, I must say. Uh, I think you're uh, drawing a comparison to when. Uh, Peter Crouch was asked what he would be if he wasn't a professional footballer, and his answer was a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to just uh, tip my cap to young Tommy, and yes, I, I'm fully aware that this makes me sound like a creepy old man, but uh, here we are. I'm so yeah. glad I don't have yeah. uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, because we're always talking about supporting local soccer, starting this weekend, so the Roja League is not happening this winter uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, but there is a tournament starting this weekend up in Allen, and it is being run by uh, Dallas Soccer Alliance. Now, if you don't know what Dallas Soccer Alliance is, that is the new league, adult league, amateur league, that launched a few years ago and plays most of their games out at MoneyGram. They also play at Green Hill and over at Cox Park in uh, Farmer's Branch. And because they play on really good fields and they're really well organized, they have successfully uh, attracted many of the league's best amateur teams away 
from uh, North Texas Premier Soccer Association, which has been the league of choice in this area for the better part of 30 years, uh, but has really struggled with their fields and, and organization. And so a lot of these teams have moved over to DSA. Well, DSA is running something called the Alliance Cup starting this weekend, and it will feature eight of what I think represent eight of the best amateur sides in North Texas. Uh, it has Coppell FC, Sporting North Texas, Lone Star Republic, uh, Riados Irving, Strikers, Provident FC, and uh, Aztecas. But the eighth team that has now joined it is North Texas Riados, which is historically a North Texas Premier League team. And that's also the same team that had that really, really nice U.S. Open Cup run several years ago. So if you're looking for some local soccer and very high level for amateur soccer, um, I think this is something that you guys should go consider. Buzz has retweeted the links out uh, on the Twitter account. Um, I don't know if there's tickets. I do know they're streaming many of the games on YouTube uh, to watch. So uh, there's a link over on the website, over on the DSA. Buzz has got it, and I do think it's worth everybody's time to at least be aware of it. It probably will be better than that eighth division English video that made this rounds earlier this week. Yeah, there's some legitimate talent uh, playing in the on some of these teams. Uh, the team Provident FC has won the DSA Open Division One league, I think, twice, and it's essentially a bunch of guys that have played together since high school and through college, and they are really, really, really good. I don't know any of them. Uh, personally, but because they know all each other so well, they are an amazingly good, surprisingly high-level team. Rayados always has uh, a bunch of guys in there, and I think somebody, I think s somewhere in here, um, uh, uh, Win well, Lee Win is Lee playing, Wynn is playing and, and, on yeah. one of these teams. I don't know who, yeah. but yes, that Lee Win I think is playing on one of these teams. Yeah, and there's a couple of guys that have been drafted in MLS at one point or another, you know. So there's some serious talent in that thing. Lone Star Republic has the guy that plays for one of the uh, Caribbean national teams uh, that I got the jersey from. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Super nice guy, but he played in World Cup qualifiers and he plays for Lone Star Republic. I'm assuming he's on that roster. So again, if you're just looking for something to go watch, all of the games are being played at a place called the Athlete Training and Health uh, Center up in Allen on Raintree Circle. Uh, and they have a big uh, full-size turf field out there that they're going to be playing on uh, over the course of the next four weeks. So there you go. Just something to throw out there as an extra. And an extra throw out, the Diablos have made the U.S. Open Cup for the third straight year and might actually play their first game Oh wow! in the Open Cup. That would be so, great. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, if, I, if they if they host a game, you everyone I recommend going. It's super fun. Early round, you know this, Peter. Early round open cup is awesome. Yes, <laughs> it is awesome, and I don't know why North Texas Riados is not in the open cup this year. I haven't heard uh, as to why they didn't put themselves in for that. Um. Okay. Anything else we need to cover here uh, on the pod? Yeah, I want to give you the twenty second version of the difference between a DP, a young DP, and a U twenty two initiative. Okay. Okay. DP and young DP is merely a matter of how old you are. That's easy. U22 initiative is weird because its name is stupid compared to what it is. You can't have already been in the league and it only is players that are underneath the DP level. So it's like Shun who gets paid like, I don't remember what his contract was, like 350 maybe. And so his cap hit is lower and that's it. That's the only thing that matters among the differences. 
So U22 initiative is under DP and then DP is DP. That's it. So I need to know. And, but well, the difference between DP and young DP is also the amount of money it takes off the yeah. cap hit. Did you already say that? Yeah. I'm sorry if you said Yes. That. Yeah. Oh, the sorry. full DP cap hit is 600 and something. And then the, the one, the young DP cap hit is different depending how young you are, but it's roughly 200 K or 150 K depending how young you are. And it's 23 and down. If your birthday is in the season, if you turn 24 in the season, then you're a full DP. If you're 23 and down, you're a young DP. That's it. That's all you need to know. Hey, Dan, can I ask you to do a favor? Never. What's, what's up? So yes or no? Sure. Let's go for it. Could you make this chapter, this episode's uh, cover art, uh, a picture of two people rolling around? Like the, I, the famous image from Breaking Bad when they're laying on the bed of money. Can you do that same image? Just put Pepe and Jesus's face on the on the two characters, please. Sure. I think you could do that very quickly. I have to look up the image. I've never seen Breaking Bad. <gasps> what? What? Holy cow! You are such a foreigner, sir. Foreigner, oh, sir. I know the picture you mean. Okay. okay I didn't realize that was what that was from. Yeah, that's from Breaking Bad. So I don't. I, I, it's probably <laughs> unfair. Uh, to give one of those two guys one of those characters' bodies, but the, <laughs> it'll still make sense. So, yeah. could you pull that off for us, please? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. probably just copy the, the the slightly smaller dude. No, just leave the two, change it. No, just, change no leave the two guys. Just because it won't make okay. sense otherwise. And the idea that Peppy's the the heavy set guy would make me laugh too. So, <laughs> hey everybody, don't forget the third degree of the podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Soccer Ninety. Soccer Ninety dot com is your source for all sorts of soccer stuff. MLS, FC Dallas, national team, international club gear. And as I said before, at some point, I'm willing to bet they'll figure out a way to get you a Ricardo Pepe Osberg jersey. I guess we're just going to have to wait and figure out when that happens. They also have scars and tees and, and keychains and bumper stickers and a whole bunch of other stuff. And because you're a third-degree listener, don't forget you get 25% off all that crap when you use the code thirddegree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Dan, it is great to hear your voice again for the first time in many weeks. I am uh, glad to hear that you had a successful holiday season, sir. Likewise. Thank you. And Buzz, I hope that you got your monitors you asked for for Christmas. Oh, I did. And Peter, by the way, you may not be aware of this, but MLS roster rules are stupid. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. MLS this roster rules did. are stupid. Yeah. More at 11. Yeah. <laughs> What size monitors did you get? Twenty uh, sevens. They're, they're, um, they're the the well, basically like the four K, the fourteen forties. Yeah, got two of those. Yeah, check nice. you out, man. I know you were yeah. killing some orcs and trolls and goblins on oh. that thing, aren't you, sir? Yeah, pawn and noobs, dude. The my elite hacks. I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, me neither. Uh, all right. <laughs> Well, congratulations, you FC Dallas curious people. It has been a very good week, and hopefully it is a promising start to a 2022 season. Uh, we will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Loads of money. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. Third Degree Net Podcast.